Welcome to Shireen Conversations. I'm your host, Marjana Paravan. On today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Fujian Zane, who is a licensed and marriage family therapist with over 30 years of experience. She is also a radio host, international speaker, life coach, and the author of Life Reset, The Awareness Path to Create the Life You Want. Thank you, Dr. Fujian, for joining me today. It's great to be with you. So um, thank you. Thank you for your invitation and um, looking forward to our conversation. I, I am as well. So I'm really honored to speak with you today of all days. I mean, December 14th, it's a big day for intention setting and allowing room for change. I'm a huge person. I'm into manifestation. I'm into meditation. I'm all about learning the practice of bettering myself in my life. With that being said, I know you're big on that. What is a practice that you incorporate into your life? One of the things that I've done is as I wake up in the morning, I start going through all the, let's say, blessings that I have looking at um, internal and external, you know, some of the maybe uh, strengths that I have and things that I like about myself and things that I've done for myself. And then I start looking at, you know, uh, the accomplishments that other people have had around me, the beauty of having them in my life and the beauty of who they are and kind of like sending um, the positive energy to everyone. And then I call in an intention for for the day Um, as if like, this is what I want to practice throughout the day. And um, usually I'll I'll call on something that is, I have some vulnerability. So it creates an exercise for me. So for example, if I I wake up with a little bit of agitation and I intend to be peaceful and accepting of all that shows up, because I know that day I would be a little bit more vulnerable on that side or uh, getting excited about something. Or if I have doubt about a project or something, I would intend for, uh, for my doubt to go away from the current to come into manifestation to get created so that's on a personal level and then I think that um you know there's a power of eight uh that I'm sure you know the book is Mm -hmm. out and I think it's wonderful for people to check out and we have created different types of groups um of of eight people um uh, that we um we are there for each other it's only about uh, being there with you and for you out there. So uh, we create an intentionality and each day it's one of us that puts ourselves out there. And the, it's interesting enough, today was my day because Mondays are my day. And, um, and, and everyone kind of like holds your intentionality into a beautiful space for you. And I don't know whether, you know, energetically that happens or not, but something that definitely happens, it keeps you accountable and it keeps you into the space because now you're not only accountable to yourself, but you're also accountable to seven other people who you know they're out there for you. And then you get to be there for them. Um, So those are some of the ways of looking and then looking at the intentionality to be clear, you know, crisp in what it is that I intend uh, to create, Um, especially today, um, as you said, knowing that what you're intending to create in a positive way and putting it out there versus, you know, putting yourself into the doubt and any of the negative energy. Yeah, no, and I love that you said that because they always say when you're with a collective group of people, that energy itself magnifies. And so whatever you're putting out there, 
uh, is tenfold. And I love that. I mean, this year alone, I've been working on myself um, a lot. And I always went into a day, uh, uh, and I didn't know this right away, I would say, you know, it's a shame that I can't travel right now. I mean, everyone in the world can't travel. And it, the work that I'm doing, it's really talking to yourself and saying, I'm grateful for the time that I had to travel, because you're thankful for what you have done and being able to bring that energy into the new year. So I love that you do that. It's a great practice. Um, with that said, I think you teed me up perfectly for my next question. So in your book, The Life Reset, you're all about a awareness, understanding, and acceptance towards our thoughts, um, feelings, and how we, you know, maneuver through our day-to-day in our life. Um, I actually started reading it prior to my interview with you. And I, what I love about the book is that you created uh, an exercise, which is like very 12 simple, like very open-minded questions that you ask yourself and you go through this journey with yourself. And it's a really interesting conversation that you have because you allow yourself to really be vulnerable. Why was this book so important for you to create? I've been a therapist for almost uh, 30 years and I've gone um, through a lot of different uh, virtues on myself. You know, I came here when I was 12 years old um, alone. I went to a boarding school. Um, I went to university when I was 15 and completely on my own. Um, I had to start, you know, having three jobs at age 17 in order to grow. Um, I was abused as a child. Uh, you know, I was sexually abused from age three to eight. I had a lot of vulnerabilities. I had a lot. I I could tell you that I came, I, I had chronic depression as I, you know, kind of like grew up and I grew up alone and I kind of like had to, um, I had to raise myself, let's say. So I can tell you, Marjorie John, that by the by almost 30, uh, I had promised myself to have some of the stuff such as, you know, uh, to have my own business, to be married, to have my own home, everything. And by age 28, I did. And I was not happy. I was devastated. I was depressed. And so I started going to two things simultaneously. You know, I went to self-growth seminars and then I also went to uh, psychotherapy. Um, I went to self-growth seminars because my friends were there and I was getting into it and I really enjoyed having the opportunity to create reflection for myself. I started uh, therapy going because of my marriage was failing and I wanted to go to, um, you know, uh, marital therapy. And this, the concept of these two suddenly brought me to a whole different level of not being from a, not coming from a victim stance and poor me and, you know, I'm powerless while my the results didn't show that I was powerless to having, you know, the confidence and the agency inside that no matter what the circumstances were as a child and, you know, you didn't cause those, it, cre- it got created that you could shift something. And then I went through obviously different methodology of psychotherapy and all of that. And then I looked at every piece of the theories out there, which some of them connect to, you know, to go in from a thought process. And if you shift the thought process, then there were other theories that are uh, go through emotions and shift the emotions. There were other theories which like change the behavior and you're going to go. And I figured, okay, I'll take all three of them. You know, I'll take the best of what was out there and I was learning. And then obviously the trauma base, uh, because no matter what happens in the present moment, it's getting influenced by the past and the past that you have a lot of them amazing stuff and a lot of them, you know, hurtful stuff. And the amazing stuff created um, strength for us and moving forward. And the trauma sometimes created, you know, kind of like withhold. So I brought them together of whatever I saw, um, you know, including the mind-body techniques and everything that I had learned, including hypnosis, EMDR, everything, I brought them together into a model. 
So part of why it was important to me, because I had gone through the journey with myself, I had gone through the journey with my clients, and I've watched how as a, as a therapist, they had allowed me to grow and practice different ways that I had practiced on myself with them. So it became more like an evidence base. And we did it, you know, we went and uh, worked through universities and created research on it. And every day it created like more evidence based of how bringing these efficiently together. So you go kind of like deep quickly and come out instead of, you know, having somebody in psychotherapy for 20 years. Um, so those were why the elements of, like you said, they're simple but deep questions. And they're questions that you ask yourself. And I hope that people create this kind of like a camera on them themselves, which is an observational camera, which asks those 12 questions consistently from themselves at any point that they're going through the day. Because when you become aware of your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors and the impact that it has immediately and the way that you relate to the world or your projections projections of the world to you or how you are with yourself as you you know experience the world this allows you that in the present moment you always have the ability um, to have a shift if something's not working for you and be able to be assertive at that moment in um, creating, you know, the in-between, like between you and I, whatever happens, I'm like on top of it. You know, yes. I got this. It's not like, I'm sure you've experienced it and, and people who are listening to us experienced it that, you know, you go through something and then you go home and you're like, I should have said that. And I should have done that. And I should have did this. And I should have done that. Right. hundred percent. Yes. So having the ability to have these 12 questions being automatic way of you consistently observing, you get the practice to shift who you are, say what you need to say and, you know, be intentional at every moment and then watch for how many of the past programmings have been, you know, they're part of our automatic response. And then there's a technique that shows you exactly a process to go back and kind of like, Take care of yourself, heal yourself. Like reassert, yes, I love and re- that. Exactly, and reintegrate those pieces uh, within your wholesome self, you know, that you have all of it together. And you don't have all these, you know, little pieces of inner children who are devastated somewhere stuck in closets anymore. They're out, they're taken care of, and you as a solid adult are taking care of all of them. And then, you know, also has the uh, the way of for you to consistently hold vision and intention in front of you systematically, because then every single behavior is going to lead you to that, whether you're intentional or not. And it's like, well, can you have that in your mind uh, and your vision so that you could consistently think, feel, behave in a way that you keep creating what you intend to create? No, I love that. And I, I like what you said. It's you basically have given people a roadmap to hold in their hands in their back pocket. When you're having these conversations with yourself and these practices, you can't really lie to yourself. And it's harder when you're speaking to someone else, you may not know them and you create the story in your minds, but you walk away and you build more of stress in your mind, your heart, basically of things that you couldn't allow yourself to escape. And I love this because, you know, you get yourself to a place where you're so aware of your surroundings, the way that your attitude towards others, yourself, and it allows you to live that better life that you're seeking. So thank you for creating such an incredible journey for all of us. I love practices like this because it's maintenance. It's like routine maintenance, 
checking in on yourself, making sure you're okay and having those conversations. And therapy has in the past been something that was so taboo, whether it's societal or cultural. However, you know, I think this year, the blessing, and I say this in air quotes, the blessing of this year with COVID, mental health has become the priority for all of us. Whether you're at home, you can't leave, or you're dealing with a family member or yourself who has a weak immune system. What are you doing for yourself? What kind of conversations are you having to allow yourself to be stronger for the next day, to look for, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel? So my question for you is, is there any type of reassuring advice that you can give someone who is seeking help, but is too afraid to because of how they've grown up or what they've heard from friends or family, and they're too afraid to admit? I look at it, uh, Marjane, as um, a mirror. We cannot see our face. We won't forget our face. We won't look at, we can't see the back of our head um, without putting another mirror. Um, so I'm asking people to look at coaching, counseling, therapy, any of that as actually having a mirror. That's all it is. It's a mirror. When we go to our friends and family, they love us. They want to support us, but they have biases on both level. One, they might not want to hurt us. So they might not tell us everything because they they figure we're vulnerable in something. They don't know how to get rid of that vulnerability or support us out of that vulnerability. All they do is maybe they hold it, you know, they hold the vulnerability for us. So we keep becoming more victimized and more vulnerable. Many of our fam- friends and family don't have the skills or they have a listening, which is already at, have a, has a bias. So when you look at the um, a mirror, which is not clear, then you can't see yourself. You know, if it's foggy, you can't see yourself. But if there's a clear mirror in front of you, then you get to choose because you get to see the reality of what's going on in your face, in your hair, in your body. And then you get to choose. So if you imagine psychotherapy space as that clean mirror where you get to see yourself with no biases, with uh, a full-on acceptance as who you are as a human being, then you get to see you. It's not about the therapist seeing you. It's about you seeing you. And you seeing you not with those thought process of punitive. You know, every one of us have those voices that we got, you know, you're nothing, you're this, you're that. No, but with just clean, clean mirror. And then you get to choose what works and not. Plus then, you know, obviously uh, your therapists have other skills to also teach you in how to contain emotions, how to, you know, look at those belief systems and challenge them and uh, bring those kind of like blind spots that you're not seeing and your family might not see it because, you know, they might be, it's so natural for them that they don't, they don't see anything beside that. They bring those blind spots in front of you. So you see it and then you get to choose it. The environment is safe. Yes, you might have to look at some areas of you that you don't like. But guess what, Marjane? We look at those every day anyway. It's true. But we don't know how to get out of it. And I think that the clear space of just non-judgmental, positive regard, unconditional kind of an acceptance creates a space for us to be able to become whole, to become accepting of ourselves, to become loving toward ourselves. And I think, you know, if we look at it from a safe space, then it's it's one of those things like, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to a space that has calming music, <clears throat> a nice massage of your body and nutrition, you know, a lot of the spas that we go and you come back rejuvenated, 
therapy has the same thing. It just might not be rejuvenating the first sessions or two sessions or whatever. The same way when you go to one of these resorts that at the first week they're detoxing you and guess what? It's not that comfortable, but then you come out completely rejuvenated. And that's how I see therapy. I love that. You actually said it so perfectly. It made me really understand it. Your examples itself, like at, when we think of wellness, sometimes we think of our bodies, like you said, like going to a wellness spa, getting a massage, going to a chiropractor, align your body so that you can walk and move correctly. The first few times you get adjusted, it's not comfortable. You you go to sleep, you can't go to sleep because you're sore, but we don't realize that our minds are also a muscle that needs to be massaged in some way. At a time prior to this, people were too afraid to admit that they were doing therapy. And I will credit this year a lot for allowing myself to have that time and space to go and speak to someone who didn't necessarily know me, like you said. There's no triggers that they felt that they were hitting. They were just creating a mirror for me to look at. So I love that you put that that way. You know, you said it throughout this interview and reading your book and listening to your podcast. I already feel like I know this answer, but what is it to you in these 30 years that's the most fulfilling part of your job? And what would you say to someone who really wants to get into a career similar to yours? I think the element of having uh, the opportunity to make a difference um, in people's lives. And people love to make differences in different ways. Somebody, you know, is more important for them to give a service in, um, for example, the way they create food or uh, change, um, you know, health around the world or something. I think for me, the intimacy of seeing someone where the two of us sit down or even in a group and um, the person allows themselves which because there's a creation of safety um, element, the person creates, uh, allows themselves to bring down the guards and uh, bring down their vulnerability. And this vulnerability is shared. And I think when these vulnerabilities are shared, then it creates a strength for everyone. And I think we learn from each other. So mm-hmm. it's, it's um, every single person who has shown me something from inside of them, which, you know, um, has allowed me to grow. Whether there was someone who, um, no matter what, decided to commit suicide, and no matter what, we were in the hospital. Everybody was there. It was the locked unit, and the person decided that you know it, was, it wasn't up to us, and they chose that for their life. Or side by side on the other side, where somebody who had nothing to live for suddenly got out of the ashes and just flew to a place that, you know, it was like, this is, this is how I can be. Um, from people who were so much into addiction that sometimes at one point in my own mind was like, the next call I'm going to get, the person is going to be OD. And then, you know, suddenly they, again, rise out of that, just something shifts, shifts inside of them and they choose life. So you see, you know, in 30 years, you see people and you're like, oh, Wow this is who human beings are. So there's a wow element into it that I'm, um, I'm never, it never ceases to surprise me of how resilient human beings are. So true. And um, so I think that's the beauty that I've gained. And um, I think it's one of the most beautiful um, careers of the world. And uh, I really welcome people. I, you know, and they say there's, there's too many therapists around the world. I'm like, no, I wish 7 billion and a half people become therapists because in the path of becoming a therapist, you get to look at yourself, you get Mm -hmm. to work with yourself and you get to choose um, a career that you are 
holding somebody else's hand and together it's not like you're holding somebody else's hand and bringing them up no no together you're constantly learning and moving forward no I think that's amazing and I feel like I understand why you sit on the board of IAWF it's something that you are allowing yourself to be um, a resource for those that really have questions, whether they want to connect with their heritage or culture, ethnicity, people who are like them, maybe they didn't grow up in an area that was like here in Orange County, where it's every corner you see is someone that's Iranian. My last question actually was to you is that, again, you sit on the board at IAWF, incredible organization. I've been a part of it for some time while I lived in New York and now back here in Orange County. Why is being a part of that organization so important to you? Yeah. I think the first time um, I've known the founder um, and the director, you know, uh, Mayan Posravani, for almost almost close to 30 years. Um, so I've watched her, um, like her heart and um, how she has been there for all all agencies, every um, you know nonprofit organization. I used to have a center, Personal Growth Institute, and I remember at any point which I needed some. Um, guidance about it, I would call Mariam about nonprofit organization, you know, um, type of management. And I watch her through the years in how um, she was out there uh, connecting people, you know, from her heart. And then I remember the first seminar that we went, I get, <laughs> I start getting emotional. But mm. I walked in and it was this inspirational concept of women coming together and especially um, Iranian women. Because I think Iranian women have been, they're very strong, but the culture has not allowed them to experience their strength. So it's interesting that when I, you know, when I've watched Iranian women come to other cultures and they've taken the steps and they have just flown on top while they kept their, you know, loving and essence of family and all of it. And then suddenly I saw the space where Iranian women were there for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of cultures which are male dominant, the women um, many times learn not to be there for each other, but to compete with each other or, uh, you know, um, try to hold a, a particular place where if they gotten there uh, through a man or with a man, not to allow anybody else. And this space was so different. Mm-hmm. It was that women were there to hold each other. Um promote each other, um, be admiring each other uh, versus being jealous of each other. This concept of adoration and admiration of the the powerhouse that we are. And the space, and I just remember it kept coming out and I was crying and I'm like, Mariam, do you know what you just did? Like this essence um, that we don't experience with the Middle Eastern women before. You know, we are there, Middle Eastern women and a lot of other women. And I say this because I think this has shifted a little bit in the Western culture, not fully. But I think like when we look at Middle Eastern women, we're there for each other in pain. We're there for each other in sorrow, you know, taking care of each other. Like that part is always there. But when it came to growth and when it came to shining, when it came to all of that, then that was like, I don't know. I don't know how she got there or I don't know. You know, there was a lot of um, questions, questions there. And this space with this, uh, with this organization was very different. I agree. And, uh, 
I wanted to be a part of it. You painted such a perfect picture for someone like myself, who I really got involved when I lived in New York and I came to a new city, a new state. I didn't know anybody there. And I always felt like I was in the, in the middle. I was never, I never went to Iran. My parents are from there. I'm first generation and I could speak it. I couldn't read um, Farsi. So it's like, for me, I was like, I didn't know how to fully commit to being Iranian, or I felt ashamed in that sense. Um, but being a part of IAWF, being in a room, like you said, I, it was a small chapter in New York at the time when I started, but even as small as it was, it was so large because of these contributions that these women have done, these moves that they've made throughout society is just, it's not celebrated enough. And I think what Mariam did was so beautiful. I mean, coming up 10 years, it's pioneered something that wasn't there. And I think that we brought uh, through the 10 years, not only about the uh, success and the celebration of success, we brought the conversation of taboos, things that are there, whether it was um, sexual um, abuse or whether it was LGBTQ or whether it was addiction or, you know, any of those autism, uh, mental health issues, mental illness issues. Um, we brought those into the surface and had, um, you know, um, lectures after lectures and panels for this to be conversed about, for us to be able to put it out there that it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not only that we're admiring each other for our success, but we're also admiring each other and being Absolutely. there for each other for all of our vulnerabilities. Um, so I think that was a great aspect of this agency. And then the organization is also you know, create people who need something, whether it's needing, um, you know, for them to complete their universities or needing for them to have uh, one month rent for, um, you know, because at that moment they have a hardship. So there's also this other contributory aspect of obviously the, the organization, mm-hmm. uh, which creates this comprehensive way of, again, women coming together to support women, um, we're also, you know, having, um, we're becoming um, inclusive. So we're bringing and, and requesting for men to come because the same yes. way we always say, you know, for uh, behind every successful man, there's a woman. But I also think that behind any successful woman is also a, a man, which, um, you know, together we're, we're allowed, we're allowing each other to just Agreed. grow in that way. So and I- that's also an inclusivity we're bringing in. You're not just celebrating something, but you're learning at the same time. You're supporting, giving that person. And at the end of the day, you're also creating role models for people. So thank you for your contribution and your work with them as well. Thank you. And thank you for your contribution to the IWS. Of course. (laughs) It's it's an honor, honestly. But again, thank you so much, Dr. Fujon, for taking the time to speak with me. I know my listeners will really find this conversation helpful and inspiring. Thank you. It's been a joy to converse with you and um, hope to see you soon. Yes, absolutely. For more inspiring interviews, head on over to shittingconversations.com. If you like today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review and follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Shitting Conversations. You can also watch episodes on YouTube. I'm Majina Paravon, and you've been listening to Shitting Conversations. Thank you.